You're listening to the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast, episode number two. I thought I was excited for episode one, but my energy level has multiplied because of today's guest. Today, I am joined by Shereel Turner. She is a mindful psychotherapist, angelic Reiki practitioner, and a qualified meditation coach. She's been working with individuals, groups, universities, and technology companies with her expertise in health and well-being, cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy, stress reduction, and mind-body healing. And this week, she's here to talk about a positive practice that can literally alter your brain. So tune in, turn it up, and let's get it. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business, and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Today I am joined by Shereel Turner. Hey Shereel, how's it going? Hi Lauren, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to have you as my first guest. Oh wow, I'm super excited to be here with you. This has been a long time coming, so... I know, we've talked about this a lot, like all summer of just this happening. So now that it's finally in motion, I am pumped. Yeah, super excited to be here with you. So for those who don't know Shereel Turner, we had met two years ago while working on a project together in Prague. To be more specific, we were in a palace in Prague. Yeah. It was a very magical meeting. It's like a Cinderella moment for me meeting you. (laughs) It was awesome. It was a bit of a surreal experience, to be honest. It really was. Yeah, and I honestly think that the purpose of my trip, like the end game, was to meet you. Like that, that's what the universe intended was for me to. I agree totally because nothing else came out of that trip that was good apart from the two of us connecting. And the pizza. The pizza was good. Well, the pizza (laughs) and the beer wasn't too bad, but um, the connection was amazing. We got on immediately, and it really was like kindred spirits meeting for the first time. So I agree totally. I just think that that was the purpose of that whole meeting. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm grateful to the universe for that one. Always has our back. (laughs) So since meeting you in Prague, I can say that I've grown more spiritually aware. You've opened me to a number of resources and tools that help me grow mentally, intellectually, emotionally. So overall, I have become more in tune with myself. Um, and since the first wow. part of the, the name of this podcast is Master Your Mind, you know just as well as anyone how much the mind controls your thoughts, emotions, actions, and habits, because you have reached over a million people through your mindfulness and meditation work. You study it, you teach it, and of course, you practice it. So I've just right. got to know, have you always been mindful or has meditation always been part of your practice? Really, can you just tell me, how did your journey to this all begin? Well, like you say, Lauren, um, you know, everything starts with the mind. That is our CPS. That's our, that's where we process everything. That's where our decisions are made. Um, And in answer to your question, no, I haven't always been mindful. Um, My, my, my first major career I'll say, because I'm on probably my fourth career at this point. Um, I was working in the city of London as a high-flying media exec, 
running major advertising and sponsorship campaigns. Um, and my staff and my teams and colleagues called me a bitch on legs. So I think you can gather from that that I was far from mindful. I mean, I always delivered. I got results. I made tons of money. I was living what somebody, what some people would call the dream. Um, and really, uh, quite extravagant lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, some personal things happened and my whole life was flipped upside down. And I was left wondering, A, how this had all happened to me because I thought I had life sorted. I thought I'd done everything that you were supposed to do in life in terms of being successful. But also the biggest question was, how did I not see it coming? Mm. And so... I started to practice meditation before mindfulness um, many years ago. I've always been somebody who was, you know, quite open-minded and curious about things and maybe, you know, sometimes trends. So I was always kind of looking at health trends and that type of thing. But I hadn't been particularly spiritual at all. So it was around this time that um, when everything had gone, as they say in the UK, you know, tits up, that... Um, I started to really explore the mind and how that works. And I began to study meditation in terms of Eastern philosophy. And that led me to mindfulness. And a couple of years later, I actually retrained as a um, psychotherapist and just developed a whole new career. So, you know, it was, it was a long journey. It took quite a few years for me to get to a place where mindfulness could really help me in my own life but also help my family and people around me. And then I got to a stage where I was able to be, um, when I was in a position to be able to teach others um, and really develop my practice to the point where it is now. You said you started with meditation before you found mindfulness. Can you break down the difference between the two and how they're practiced? Yeah, of course. Um, so mindfulness is the practice of being aware. Okay, which is slightly different from meditation. So meditation can be anything from prayer, um, you know, just focused attention, being still. Some people um, see meditation as, um, you know, trying to clear your thoughts and, and that type of thing. So meditation in its own right is a completely separate discipline. And based on Eastern philosophy is really about discipline and self-control and you know, just um, observing the thoughts and that type of thing. Whereas mindfulness can be practiced formally and informally and is more about being aware and developing awareness. So a really good example is that we all live our lives on autopilot. And when we bring awareness into that, we can begin to notice how easily we're distracted, how many things we do without actually paying attention um, and also start to introduce mindful intentions into our daily lives. Ooh, can you give an example of a mindful intention, something small that we can do to practice being mindful? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the quickest and easiest way is to be aware of your breath or your breathing. So, for example, most people, first thing in the morning, they jump out of bed and they run into the shower, get dressed through the door. You know, everything is done at really quick pace um, and not taking even a second to kind of stop 
and center yourself. So one of the things that I do is whenever I wake up first thing in the morning, as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'll either stand up and practice mindful breathing or sometimes just sit on the bed. And all it is, is just take a few moments to follow your breath. So notice your breath going in through your nose, traveling down through your body, and then exhaling either through the nose or mouth for a few breaths. And what that does is it kind of centers you in the day. It allows you to set a couple of mindful intentions as to how you'd like your day to be express a little bit of gratitude that you woke up and, you know, that type of thing, even to the point of um, assessing or deciding on your mood. So most mornings that I wake up while I'm doing my mindful breathing, I decide that today's a great day and I'm in a good mood. And that's not to say that that won't be challenged as I go through the day, right. but that's how I begin my day every morning. Um, and just taking a moment to, you know, breathe mindfully and be aware of everything that's going on around me, especially my thoughts. So when you were talking about the breath, I sat back for a second and was thinking about my breath and my entire posture just changed. I felt tense probably from being a little nervous about doing this, but just by taking that, what, couple seconds of just yeah. Following my breath, I, f- I feel more relaxed and my shoulders, they've come down a little bit. So it's, just, it's funny how just following your breath can really alter your body. Right. So what, and what does that do in your body and in your brain? So the first thing it does is it, it centers us or grounds us, right? And this is um, partly spiritual as a practice. But what we, what we should do every day, and maybe at several points throughout the day, is center ourselves, ground ourselves, so that we're connected above and below. But also just to make sure that we're calm, that you know we're holding stress and anxiety at bay, that we're not being caught up in intrusive thinking or rumination. And it just gives you that little gap to breathe through. When we practice mindfulness, several things happen in the brain. There's been lots of studies on you know, using MRI scans, etc., to observe the brain before and after mindfulness, and usually only after an eight-week period right? Mm -hmm. So several things happen. First of all, the cerebral cortex is impacted. And the cerebral cortex is the part of the brain which we use for um, general, you know, thinking and decision making. But it's also the outer layer of the brain that deteriorates with age over time. And it's been found that in meditators, the cerebral cortex is the same thickness as in adolescence. Right. And that has been developed just through meditation. We also have um, the prefrontal cortex, which is affected. And again, is about the thickness. So it's the layers of the brain. And when we look at things like the prefrontal cortex, the cerebral cortex, and even the amygdala, which controls a lot of our emotional regulation, when we look at the thickness that gives us a really good indication of how well the brain is functioning, but also the ability that we have to regulate. Now, whether that's our emotions, our thoughts, or our behaviors, because obviously they're all connected, but it's about being able to stop and observe, you know, take a pause before reacting, deciding whether we want to respond or not. And sometimes, as we know, those little seconds, you know, sometimes milliseconds of a gap, can alter the complete outcome 
of either, you know, a situation or our next behaviors or even our next thought. Yeah. Right. So that, that it, there's actual evidence to show, to demonstrate um, scientifically that the brain is altered through mindfulness. Wow. Wow. And, and this is something I feel like that's us. It's so simple that children can, of course. I feel like we can start that at a young age. So for me, with someone with two small kids, what's something that I could implement for them to become a little bit mindful in their daily practice? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting you talk about that because I actually did a project recently um, for an organization in the States and it was psychoeducational. And we, um, well, I created a series of guided mindful meditations and some of them were designed for the children to sit, um, you know, for short periods of time and just listen to the meditation and follow the practices and exercises, some of which would would have been things like um, breathing exercises, some of them small movements, a bit like stretching or yoga. Um, But one of the best things you can do with children is walking meditation, because we all know that small children in particular find it difficult to stay still. But by having them count their breaths along with their steps, that starts to build awareness. So it's almost like as you walk, you know, breathe in one step, breathe out another step. And then while you're walking, particularly if you're taking a walk outside, you can then ask them to pay attention to things like sounds that they may hear or anything interesting that they might see or anything else that they notice either within their body or in their immediate surroundings. And it's amazing the things that children come up with. So they notice everything from, you know, a certain leaf or a ladybird, you know, or ladybug, as you'd say in the States, you know, the littlest things. And they they hear sounds that are so distant, but because they have that childlike curiosity, they're so quick to tap into their awareness without deciding, you know, what things are or labeling or whatever, but just really enjoying the um, focused attention. So that's a really nice thing, exercise that you can do with children. I feel like that's also a great exercise for me because I'm by nature a little bit of an anxious person. So for me, sitting down and trying to do, I guess, a formal meditation doesn't always work for me because my mind will start going in a thousand different places and my body wants to be busy. Whereas I know you've said before that like you could just sit all day and like you're completely relaxed and cool with it. So would, would walking outside and looking at the birds and listening, that would be a practice of informal mindfulness, correct? Well, movement, um, mindful movement is still formal. However, okay. it, it lends itself to introduce informal um, mindfulness. So, you know, it's still a formal practice, but the fact that you can, you know, take in sounds and, you know, whatever's coming in front of you, just notice what you're walking around. That's introducing informal moments of mindfulness. So it's a really great way for people to start if they don't have any experience with mindfulness whatsoever, or like yourself, they prefer to be on the move. Okay, so someone who may be experiencing a breakdown or they're operating on autopilot or maybe they just want to start practicing some more mindful habits, do you think they should ease in with practicing mindfulness or should they be like you and just jump right into meditation? 
I think mindfulness is always going to be the easiest option for the simple reason that we can bring mindfulness to the the point of people's needs. So meditation sometimes is just a bridge too far to ask people to adopt a whole new practice. And when people are stressed to the point of paralysis, when their anxiety is through the roof, when they're particularly depressed, it might be too much to ask them to just sit and be still and observe these chaotic anxiety or stress-filled thoughts, right? Right. So by encouraging people to, you know, whatever your, your daily habits are, whatever your daily practice, try and take a few moments to be mindful while doing this and just take a moment to observe your thoughts, you know, observe your breath, observe how you're feeling without judgment. Because part of the philosophy of mindfulness is that everybody can find a way a time and a place to be mindful. So true. Right? So that, that's part of the philosophy. And one of the reasons why mindfulness can be so effective is that people can do it with little effort, but the point is just to do it repetitively. So the key to mindfulness is not whether you're enjoying it, not enjoying it, just try and do it over and over again. So even if you just use, you know, what I do in the morning, those first three to five minutes sitting on the edge of your bed, breathing mindfully, maybe observing your thoughts if you can get there. If not, just follow your breath for as long as you can until you become distracted. Then you're beginning the process of developing your awareness, Mm. which in turn leads to focus and so on. So it's just about finding the way in which you can do something that helps you to develop awareness. Because otherwise, what happens is we're going around life on autopilot in a bit of a fog, not being totally aware of ourselves or anyone or anything else that's going on. And that's how we miss things. That's how we miss our red flags and our cues, or even, you know, sometimes the sense or the intuition that something's not quite right or there should be a bit more to this. So do you feel that a lot of people hit that breaking point before they you know, adapt mindfulness or like know that they need a change in their life. Does that typically happen? Like everything kind of goes to hell and back before this happens? Or, or do you feel that maybe some people are just more spiritually aware and it's easier for them? Well, I tell you, you know, the universe has a way of making sure that people find their way to spiritual awakening, right? And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, in my experience and the conversations that I've had, people usually end up at crisis point before they begin to even open up to discovering anything like this. So I've spoken to people, you know, even recently, um, there's, a, there's a project, there's a startup who are actually in Y Combinator at the moment that I'm working with. And the founder was already successful, you know, he's quite a young guy. And he started his latest company, because his brother committed suicide. So he'd been really successful, built a company, sold it for millions and millions of dollars, and his brother killed himself. And he was like, stop everything. You know, he withdrew from the company that had bought him out um, and said, you know what, the next thing I do has to be about depression and suicidal thoughts. Wow. You know, regardless of what I do next. So would he have made the transition and explored mindfulness and psychotherapy? Probably not at that point if that hadn't happened in right. his life. So, so I think, 
Yeah, and I think that most people do reach crisis point because until we're in crisis, unfortunately, with human beings, we're happy to just keep, you know, bowling on down the road, even if we're comfortably uncomfortable. We'll just keep going until we are absolutely stopped. And, you know, at that point of no return, really. Before, yeah. you know, it's it's like the whole rock bottom thing. So people who are facing addiction um, or struggling with addiction, it's like, you know, sometimes you've got to force or raise the rock bottom to save their life, but they still need a bottom, right? Right. It's almost like human nature. So we we tend to hit crisis point before we are prepared to stop everything and explore and look for the answers. Um, and this is the point at which a lot of people do come to mindfulness. Can you define what you feel a spiritual awakening is? Some of our listeners might not know what that is, or they don't know what it is to be spiritually woke. Right. So usually people think they're going crazy when they're having a spiritual awakening, right? That's the usual definition. (laughs) It kind of feels that way. Yeah. Right. And people are like, what is wrong with me? So now all of a sudden I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things, or I'm feeling a certain type of way about things, or I've got this massive connection, like, you know, I'm really depressed or I seem really sad. So spiritual awakening is normally... Um, presented with an experience which is called um, darkness of the night or something along those lines that like people have different definitions for it and normally what happens is there's a huge event which usually ends up with people on the kitchen floor or the bathroom floor sobbing their heart out yeah. and not necessarily having suicidal thoughts but definitely asking out loud what is the purpose of life why am I here right and People that already have um, maybe some kind of spiritual relationship will cry out to, you know, God or their maker or, you know, the highest spirit that they're familiar with. Or if for people who don't have any of that, they'll just be like, what on earth am I doing here? Right. And it's normally at this point that that question is asked and what follows is a series of answers. And those answers come through in either spiritual experiences like, you know, being aware of the spirit world or, you know, some kind of divine intervention and lots of messages. For some people, it's highly emotional and their mood becomes really low or they can become quite sad. Um, And the danger is that people don't recognize that it's a spiritual awakening. So for some people, they literally are like, you know, I think I'm having a breakdown. I think I'm going crazy. And some people will actually seek medical help. And there's an awful lot of people out there on prescription pills when all that was happening is that they were having a spiritual awakening and just needed to take the journey rather than be afraid of the changes that were happening in their life. Yeah. There you go. And, and yeah. I feel like by, it does, the universe or God, whoever, you know, whatever, it presents those answers to you, but by being mindful you then see those answers. Like you can say, send me a sign and it could send you 55,000 signs. But if you are not paying attention to them, you're going to continuously, oh, that was a coincidence or, you know, right. just shrug it off. And then you're, it, you'll continue down the same path. Right. And this is the thing. So, you know, people see numbers. 
Oh, no, that's no. just a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> Me see numbers? Oh gosh. I just I just thought I'd drop that in there, Lauren. Um, you know, and people are like, that's a coincidence. But I've had people, so I see all the numbers all the time. Like there's right. not a day goes by that I don't see all the double digits, all the formulations. But I kind of like, well, not kind of, I've studied all of this, so I know what the numbers are. And I'll say to people, oh, it was 12-12 when we had that call. And they'll be like, how did you see that? I never see anything. And the minute I introduce them to it, eventually they'll start seeing numbers. And they might just see the same number over and over again. Like, I haven't met many people who see as many numbers as I do. Yeah. But then I know that I am like massively tuned in. Like, I just live on a right. different you're on a, You're on the next I'm level. I'm on a whole different plane. Yeah, yeah, I just don't. I refuse to exist. Um in the carnal world. Well, but anyway, <laughs> well, I had, I had been mindful that I had always seen the number 11. So I was yeah. mindful to like what that meant, but it wasn't until I met you and told you that I saw the number 11, that I even knew that it had a meaning behind it of, right. And so like that has all, that since that moment that changed my perspective of when I see 11 and I stop and I notice like what's going on. It's not always 11 too. It could be 1144, you know, the 22 right. or 808 or yesterday when it was 081818. 18, and I, I saw that. And oh I saw a clock gosh. at 818 in the morning. So I was, I was like, like 0818 and it was August 18. And I was yeah. like, Oh, divine yeah. moment. <laughs> yes, yeah, but when you stop and like you start paying attention to like what you're doing in that moment, that is an act of being mindful, correct? Right. And also what you're thinking, because the whole point of the numbers, right, whether you believe in angels, whether you believe in the universe or, you know, divinity, whatever your belief is, those numbers come to your attention so that you can check what you're thinking, what your intentions are and what is happening in that moment. So you can almost put your own definition on those numbers. So one of my numbers that I own is the number 13, because everyone says it's bad luck. I'm like, a 13, especially Friday the 13th, is so infrequent that it's got to be one of the most blessed days, right? So I've owned it. Because it's just not, you don't get a Friday the 13th every week. Right. So I refuse to believe it's negative. I've decided that it's positive. But when I see 13, 13 on a clock, I'm like, this is an open door moment. Let me see where the opportunity is right now. So it's, it's up to us to decide what we want these numbers to mean. But it's just like when these, when these signs happen, so it might be numbers, it might be an object. So like, for example, some people are like, oh, I always see yellow buses. I don't know, something random. Whenever you see one, that's a good moment for you to check. What am I thinking at this point? And more often than not, we're thinking a negative thought when mm. we see those signs. And that's a reminder for us to, hey, hey, snap out of it. Do you know what I mean? Because that the whole point of these signs coming to us um, via divinity is that it's to keep us on track. It's to help us to manage ourselves. And that's what mindfulness does. Wow. Mindfulness helps us to be aware more often than not. Right. So we want focused attention. We want, you know, we want to be aware. We want to try and live in awareness as much as possible. So rather than, you know, somebody say something like I had a client say something to me the other day, which was hugely triggering. And I, I wrote a reply immediately because I'm still human. Um, and my computer wouldn't send 
And I was like, whoa. So I stopped, looked at the message, completely deleted it, stepped away, came back like probably about half an hour later, to be honest, because it was really triggering, and just said, got it, no problem. I'll get back to you when it's done. And do you know what? My computer not sending that message was enough for me to snap back into awareness to look at what I was doing. And what I was about to do was feed into her bad moment and escalate it. Yes. Right? Because people are human. We all have bad moments. And sometimes right. our reaction can really change everything that happens. And we, yeah. I, I think on a call last week, I said to you that our emotions aren't facts. And you said back to me, neither are our thoughts. And I was like, there you oh, go. that's true. Our thoughts aren't facts, nor are our emotions. So being able to kind choices. of, exactly. And you have to be mindful of those choices. That's right. Oh and, and it's our responsibility because we can't control other people. We can only ever control ourselves. So what we need to understand, though, is that as human beings, and we're getting really deep here, but let's go for it and see what people get from this, <laughs> is that every human being is a mirror, right? So when you see people and you don't like things about them or things that they do, all they're doing is reflecting yourself back to you. So whenever somebody does something that you don't like, you have a choice of what you'd like to reflect back to them, Mm. right? So when we're aware, we choose whether we want to mirror their energy or their actions, or do we want to show something back to them? And 9.9 times out of 10, when we choose something different, they will immediately reflect back to us what we gave to them. Wow. Wow. That's so true. So unless somebody is really spoiling for a fight, at which point we leave, you know, sometimes people do things in the moment. It's ego driven. They're having a terrible day. Mars is in retrograde. Mercury (laughs) is in retrograde. Venus is in retrograde. Saturn's in retrograde. You know, we can go on. But the point is, when you have the awareness, whether it's the knowledge of what's going on, whether it's just understanding, whether it's just some empathy, whatever you have, try and use it as much as possible. And we're all human. None of us are perfect. But the more we try, the easier it becomes to live in that state and choose those options more often than not. Yes. I love that. I love that. You are such a wealth of knowledge, Shereel. Like, <laughs> I feel as if all everyone needs you them. in their life. Like, you are just <laughs> such well, a I, light I in my life. <laughs> I don't know about everyone, but, you know, back to your earlier point, um, one of the goals that I set when I started off on this journey of, um, you know, being a psychotherapist and working with mindfulness, um, one of the goals that I set was to reach, like, to be a vessel, first of all, for for God in the universe and to reach a million people with words of healing and self-acceptance. And I achieved that goal over a year ago and didn't know that I'd achieved it because what I decided that I should do in order to achieve that goal is to partner with other people who have, you know, the same intention. And a lot of my clients, um, they own meditation apps or, you know, they, they're developing mindful programs or they're running meditation channels. And one of the guys that I've been working with for years, um, my daughter had actually Googled a meditation because she wanted a meditation. Um, for something and she found the meditation oh this is great played it and it was my voice 
And I was like, yeah, you can't get away from me. But anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah. And then she was like, have you seen the views on this? And there were over a million views on just that one wow. um, meditation. And then I went through and had a look at them. And then I had a freak out moment and I contacted you and I was like, Lauren, what shall I do about this? Because people are like listening to my meditations and I don't even know that it's a whole thing. And I contacted the channel owner and it turned out to be one of my clients and I just felt really blessed. Um, and you know, so I went and reset some more goals. I'm like, Oh, well, if we're doing numbers like that, God, then right. let's see. What <laughs> can you really do? Yeah. <laughs> let's have some more zeros. Right. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, um, my whole mission, like my whole intention in life is to, just be a vessel and have less of me in the work that I do and more of the universe coming through me. And then to really just partner with people like yourself who want to really share these messages and share the knowledge with as many people as are ready and willing to hear this, um, you know, to hear this, this information. And I think that as long as we obey our purpose and our mission in life, then the word will spread, right? Because there's a huge community of people like us out there, but it's really about, you know, just just doing what we know we should be doing every day in terms of sharing this knowledge. You know, it is a wealth of information, but somebody shared it with me for me to be in a position to go ahead and share it with others. So, you know, that's just part of my um, mission here on the planet. (laughs) <laughs> you know getting really deep now it's just just to really you know share what I've learned and just make sure that as many people as possible can benefit in the way that I have and so many others have well I love it and I I know that as you say you are obeying your purpose so um where can people find more information on you or any great resources that you would like to give to others? I know you work with a plethora of clients who also have great apps and stuff. So um, what would you suggest listeners? The best thing to do is go to my website, which is www. You might want to <laughs> use the three W's, um, realturner.com. Um, which and Lauren will have all the information and on there you'll find out a little bit about me and there's a bit of a portfolio with some of my recent clients but also um there are lots of meditation channels on YouTube one is called great meditation there's the meditation hub um there's a huge number of apps but I guess the best starting point is my website which will give you an idea of some of my work and in the future I'll be um launching an a new meditation channel with some of my uh, more up-to-date work I cannot wait for that I'll I'll be the number one download top fan (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much Cheryl for joining us um I could go on for another five hours with more questions about this, but I, I know that this is a new topic for a lot of people. So I think that we covered a lot to not overwhelm, but to raise curiosity and hopefully more awareness on mindfulness and meditation. 100%. But also, I'd like to thank you, Lauren, for taking up the mantle and, and doing this because it's not easy to put a, pod, a podcast together, but also the intention that you have behind it. I know that you'll be just so successful. And I just am so excited to see this journey and where it leads. So thank you for oh my goodness. space and doing this for people. Oh my gosh, you are the sweetest and the absolute best. Thank you, Cheryl.
I know Shereel said this, but the sound glitched a little bit. If you didn't catch it, you can learn more about Shereel on her website at shereelturner.com. And you can also find her direct link in this week's episode notes, which are found on my website at mindbizlife.com. And if you're a little Instagram crazed like me, go ahead and follow me at at mindbizlife. Don't forget to leave me a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Podbean. Your reviews help other people find this podcast, but of course they serve as great feedback for me on what you want to hear more of. I am working on getting us on Spotify. I have to have five episodes, so we're going to wait for it, all right? And again, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I'll see you back here next week. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.